1: And I I love you with the love of God, but the greatest need in your life today is to turn to Jesus. Nothing in your life is going to make sense and come together until you follow Christ. And it's not religion. It's not just going through the motions. It's not joining a church. It's surrendering control of your life to Jesus. Arthur Pink says, engaged as he was in a divine transaction, making atonement for the sins of all people, grappling with the powers of darkness, yet amid it all, he still has the same human tenderness, which shows the perfection of the man of Jesus Christ. He shows love to his mama. So what is that teaching us? Is it obedience? Sure, right? Right? The Ten Commandments, we've heard the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, 12 says, honor your father and your mother. Then you will live a long life in the land of the Lord your God has given you. It's the first commandment that we have with the promise. This is an important thing. In fact, as the church begins to establish, the Apostle Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 that we still are under this command. In Ephesians 6.1, he says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. This was not less than a lesson in obedience. And for some of you, it just got hard. Because that's not been a good relationship. For some of you, your parents have long gone and it was not good relationships. And you're wrestling through these emotions. Some of you still dealing with this or wrestling through what do I do? Others of you did well. And you're encouraged in this moment. I guess I would just, before we move on, remind you, there is a principle here. And the principle is, it's always right to do right. So whether it's easy or whether, as is often the case, it's challenging. These family relationships are vitally important. It's always right to honor your parents. So how does that look? We could spend a lot of time here. Let me just give you two things. Number one, you want to make sure they know your desire to honor them. Make sure they know your desire to express your love. Secondly, you want to try to help meet their needs. All of this is expressed in the words of Jesus as he looks out at Mary. He says, Mama, oh, dear woman, it's going to be okay. Okay. John's going to take care of you. It was not less and less in an obedience but it was so much more it was also about devotion. Because the love of God can be expressed in tangible ways. And as followers of Christ, it's our responsibility to express that love. So we have family responsibilities that we have to exercise. So just a timeout. Do those in your little corner of the world, beginning with your parents, if they're still alive. Do those around you that are part of your family, do they know that the love of God is in you And that love of God extends to them. And if I were hearing these words, one thing I would be asking is, what are some practical ways I need to express that love even today? And for some of you, it begins just by telling them you love them. Is it an interesting, even an adult child wants to hear that their parents love them. I realize some of you grew up and you were never told that. Change the cycle. Change the trend. The words of Jesus illustrate a devotion to family, but there's much more. The words of Jesus also issue a demand for us to be faithful. See, Jesus was giving a gift to Mary, his mother, but he was also giving a gift to John, his friend. His beloved friend. And it helps us see something about Jesus' family. So why did Jesus turn to John, one of his disciples, to care for his mother? Where was Joseph? History records that Joseph had passed away some years early. So guess what? At least for a portion of his life, Jesus grew up with a single mom. Yeah, he gets you. But did you know that Mary and Joseph had other children? Jesus had brothers. We even know their names. In Matthew 13 and verse 55, it says, They scoff. He's just a carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Where were the brothers? They weren't even there for his public execution. Why? Well, we know why. John 7, 5 says, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. They had rejected that he was the Messiah. They didn't believe him. So why would they be there? This was his own doing. Do you have family members that have not yet followed Christ? Parents? Siblings, children, he gets you. If you have family members who have not yet followed Christ, but you're praying for them, would you raise your hand right now, wherever you are? The room is full. Let's pause and pray for those family members right now. In the name of Jesus, Father, we pray for moms and dads, for brothers and sisters, for children, sons and daughters. We pray for nephews and nieces. We pray for grandparents who don't yet know you. And we ask that you do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, would you draw them to you? Would you put people in their path that would lead them in the truth of the gospel god would you bring them into a saving relationship with you and would you do this in the name of jesus we speak jesus over our family and lord in this moment i also feel led to just pray for prodigals those who've heard the truth and even expressed the truth but lord they've gone away Just like your story of the son who returns home, would you bring them back to you, Lord? And would you do this in the name of Jesus? And would you do this for your glory? And we say thank you for this expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so thankful for the power of prayer. The greatest thing you can do for those family members that don't yet know Christ is to love them and to pray for them. So because of Jesus' family situation, though, what did he do? He had to rely on his faith family. Did you know you have a faith family? Listen to what happened in Matthew 12 and verse 46. Jesus was speaking to the crowd. His mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. So imagine just today, I'm not Jesus. You know that, and I know that. But just to help you get this picture in your mind, imagine that if my family were outside these doors and there were ushers that had said, no, kind of the service is going on, you can't come in. But somebody got word, hey, your mom and your daddy and your brothers, you're outside. What did Jesus do? Someone told Jesus, your mother and your your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus asked, who's my mama? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples. And he said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother That's true for you, too, if you're a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. In fact, in this very moment, as Jesus hung on the cross, he was accomplishing in his death the opportunity for you to be adopted into the family of God. And when you come into the family of God, your family expands. So some of you... When I asked that question, it was tough because there's a lot of folks in your family who aren't running after Jesus. But guess what? You've got a big old family that is. And we're here for one another. We're better together. The local expression of the family of God is your local church. So you have responsibility to your church. This is a big deal. And we could spend our whole time just talking about this. And and this has frankly been challenged in our society because we went through this season where everything with wisdom was pushing us not to gather together. And for some, that became a part of their life that they've not yet changed. But we need each other. A few weeks ago, I, I saw Rick Warren write something that Again, we could elaborate on with a much longer amount of time, but, but let me just give you three reasons you need your church family. One is your church family helps you focus on God. When you prioritize the coming together as a church family, it helps you and your family say, this is important to us, and it lasers you in on the things of God. Secondly, your church family helps you face life's problems. Because we do have problems. That's why we come together. That's why in the New Testament church we're taught to not forsake coming together. And it goes on to say in Hebrews 10, because when you do, you stir one another up, you encourage one another. The goal is that you walk away encouraged, not always walking away feeling good about how you're doing, because sometimes we need a little checkup. But you're encouraged. By the way, that's why we encourage you in a church our size to make sure you're in a community group. If you're not, you're going to fall through the cracks because we're, we're not huge, but we're big enough. You may slip out for a few weeks and then we don't recognize you're gone. And then you get your feelings hurt because you say, well, they didn't even know I wasn't there. And you got to get plugged in. That's why things like Celebrate Recovery are so important because you engage with a group that's walking through things that you're walking through. Thirdly, your church family helps you fortify your faith. You you grow in your understanding. How are you doing with that responsibility, by the way? Are are you living up to that responsibility to your faith family? Well, um, I'll let you linger on that, but let's get back to John. So here's John. He's, He's just watched Jesus turn to Mary and say, oh, mama, sweet lady. John's going to take care of you. (laughs) And then he turns to John and says, John, take care of my mama. She's your mama now. Can you imagine what he was thinking? Wow. None of us can. But we may have similar experiences. I do. It was September of 2019. In August, my dad had had a stroke and Three weeks later, he had a major brain bleed. He would never be the same, but in these moments, he was in ICU. We didn't know then that he would live about eight more months. We thought he could die at any moment. My brother was out of the country. My mom could not be there. Uh, I I never left his um, side, and most of the time was holding his hand and rubbing my daddy's head and just saying, I love you. I remember a moment where I'd kind of just step back from the bed looking at him, maybe touching his shoulder, just saying, I love you, daddy. And he got alert for a second. (laughs) And he looked at me and I was confident he was going to say, I love you too, son. And he had told me that many times. But not that day. He looked at me with a stern look with his eyes wide open with that marine voice, with that preacher prophetic tone, and he said, love your mama. And then he closed his eyes and turned his head. It's not Jesus to John, but it had a pretty big impact on my life. I knew on that day that for the rest of my life, there's a responsibility that I better take advantage of. And by the way, we have. And that's not always easy, is it? When you add things into your life that weren't a part of your normal pattern. But it's always right to do right. John was accepting his responsibility. Tradition is that he literally left with Mary right after that moment. Now, why would he do that? Because she was now his responsibility... And he didn't want that mama to have to watch her son's last breaths. Tradition also has it that from then on, she lived in his house. They would eventually live in Ephesus. You can visit the place that tradition believes was the house of Mary. I've been there on several occasions. She lived there until she died. Probably about nine or ten more years. John lived up to his responsibility. My question for you is, are you living up to your responsibility? Are you making the difference that God wants you to make? You see, when you come near the cross, we die to our plans. We take up the calling that Christ has for us. If John had not stayed near the cross, he would have missed the honor of his life. Are you near enough the cross? forsake your plans and get in on what he's doing because john was near the cross he he got the privilege of caring for the mother of jesus what is god calling you to do what's the calling who is he calling you to care for remember the brothers of jesus good news after the resurrection (laughs) when when it was clear that jesus was different they all followed christ james Remember the name James? James became a pastor. He pastored the church at Jerusalem. And in James chapter 1 and verse 27, in the first chapter of James, we have in the Bible, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is writing, this is pure and undefiled religion. And I wonder if as he wrote these words inspired by the Holy Spirit, if he began to cry, as he remembered that now his good friend John had had to care for his mother. Because pure and undefiled religion, he would write, is to care for widows and orphans. What is God calling you to do? Where is he calling you to demonstrate your compassion? Is it to minister to the the widows around you? They're all around us. Is it to care for the orphans? Do Do you know we have a crisis? Do you know that there are days where social workers keep children in their office because they don't have foster homes for them? No one has adopted them. Did you know there are single moms who are losing their minds because they're overwhelmed? (laughs) Our baby boy. Our last birth child is 18, and in two months, he'll be a high school graduate. He and I sat on the college campus where he'll be attending in several months, just talking yesterday, and it's it's hard to think about that moment. But, I mean, think about that. Your fourth and last birth child. I mean, you know what should be on the horizon? Emptiness. Can I get a witness? But not for us. <laughs> Because about six years ago, we heard a calling. And while it's an act of love, there was no question it was a calling. And so now there's one who's no orphan. She's got a mom and a daddy and brothers. And she's nine years old. An empty nest. I can't even see it with the binoculars. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you what, that nine-year-old. She's five minutes away from her grandma's apartment, and she can go see me, me. And when I see them standing and loving each other together, they're quite a pair, by the way. One of them can hardly walk and can't hear. The other one can't see. <laughs> but I think, yes, God, this is right. And it's always right to do right. Remember, we're responsible for others in the family of God. Because the love of God can be expressed in tangible ways. And as followers of Christ, it's our responsibility to express that love. So, where are you? Near the cross? Maybe you're like the soldiers. You're gambling your life away in the shadow of the cross. And you need to be reminded once more that proximity and opportunity don't change your destiny. You have to act on that. Uh, Others of you, you're like the brothers of Jesus. Man, I I love you with the love of God, but the greatest need in your life today is is to turn to Jesus. You need to follow him. Nothing in your life is going to make sense and come together until you follow Christ. And it's not religion. It's not just going through the motions. It's not joining a church. It's surrendering control of your life to Jesus, acknowledging your sin and asking Jesus to save you, recognizing that regardless of your background, the ground really is level at the foot of the cross. Others of you are like the disciples. All ten that I didn't mention. <laughs> John was there. Judas had hung himself. But ten were nowhere to be found. They had followed Christ. But that day they were at a guilty distance. And man, again with love. some of you That's some of you, isn't it? You're here. I mean, I'm not condemning you, but... You're just kind of at a guilty distance. I don't really want others around me to know that I'm struggling with this and where I am with the Lord. Others of you are like Mary. And the bottom line is you just need some compassion. And man, I pray that today you feel the love of God. Hear me say again and again, God loves you. And no matter what you're going through, His grace is sufficient for you. Jesus is enough for you. I speak Jesus over you. Feel the love of God today. Some of you are like John. God's been issuing a calling on your life, but you've yet to respond. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe it's to foster. Maybe it's to reconcile some family relationships maybe it's to serve God vocation I don't know but, but you just need to respond to the calling my question is simply where are you <laughs> are you near the cross there's an old hymn that kind of speaks of this need it says Jesus keep me near the cross there's a precious fountain free to all a healing stream It flows from Calvary's mountain. Jesus, keep us near
2: the cross. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com.